are doing a brand new series. It's kind of an audible. We didn't plan on doing this. We usually plan our series about nine months in advance. Very sophisticated operation around here. But just a few weeks ago, we thought, you know what? I, I, we might need to focus on something at the beginning of the summer here. As we're heading into, um, you know, a dramatic season again in the United States of America um, with elections and controversies and things like that, I, I just sense that we could be stronger as a people, stronger as a nation, stronger families, just stronger kind of in our gut, you know? And so we're going to do a four-week mini-series called Strong. And this word strong is everywhere. It has been everywhere in America for the last 20 years. You might remember if you have some years under your belt like I do, um, 22 or 23 years ago, there was a campaign called Army Strong. Remember that? Army Strong. That was kind of a big deal. And it was very popular and actually very effective in engaging uh, young people with this vision of you can be a, you know, a strong man and just strongly defend your country. This next slide might give you a few, you know, twitches, but it's Lance Armstrong's Live Strong campaign. Now, it's, it's a beautiful foundation. Live Strong Foundation is, you know, about, you know, treatment and cures for cancer. Lance Armstrong just turned out to be not a very great person. Now, hey, forgiveness, restoration, all in for it. But uh, that Live Strong was very, very popular. Remember the bracelets? Anybody have a Live Strong bracelet, right? Yeah, no? Okay. Well, then there were a series of, of natural disasters, and natural disasters, of course, hit communities very hard, uh, particularly the Superstorm Sandy in 2012 hit New Jersey. So Jersey Strong, I think, was the first time a city attached that word strong and said, hey, we are, 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 are in a tough spot here. Our communities are decimated, and we're going to just claim that strong word. We are Jersey Strong. Then a year later was the Boston Marathon <clears throat> bombing, and they adopted Boston Strong. And then, of course, you know, one of the tragic realities of our American culture is mass shootings and city after city and shooting after shooting. And cities by the dozens started picking up this word strong. And we are heartbroken uh, through these tragedies. And so Dayton Strong, El Paso Strong, and Gilroy Strong, and dozens of others that are too heartbreaking to, to list all of the cities that adopted this strong idea uh, after mass shootings. Um, the most deadly shooting was Vegas, and so Vegas Strong became a big deal. And with my own daughter being a part of that and, and her now husband, it's a big deal to them. Vegas Strong means something very deeply to them. And then, of course, very tragically, Uvalde Strong last year just uh, had the anniversary of that horrific event. And so this strong idea is really become something culturally we embrace that says when we're faced with difficulties, very, very terrible difficulties, we're going to just declare we are strong. We're going to be strong. We will not be defeated. We will stand. We will stay together. We will heal together and we will move on. So it's become something very powerful and very beautiful. But it's not just a word that I think we want to embrace during tragedies. I think it's a word that we can embrace in all of life, even when things are going well. And we're not dealing with something terrible that's going on, but things are going well. We're in a period of peace, a period uh, of tranquility even. We can say, God, I still want to be stronger. I want to be a strong person. And so what, it mean, what does it mean to be a strong person? Well, I, I think it means a lot to a lot of different people. Um, it could mean something very different to, to different folks who are going through different things. But I think generally speaking, strong could mean strong character. I want to be of strong character. I want to be a good person doing good things for good reasons, right? It could mean a strong identity, 
knowing who I am with confidence, loving who we are, and loving our story, our very unique story. That's strong. Strong could mean strong relationships, strong family, strong friends, a strong community around us, a strong church. If we have strong relationships, I'm telling you, we can probably get through anything. Strong relationships. It could mean a strong faith. We'll talk about that a little bit today, but a strong faith that, that knows that God is real and knows that God is love and knows that a loving God is with us through good times and bad times. Strength could mean strong perseverance that we're going to get through. If we're going through something tough, we're gonna get through it. When we go through something tough, we will get through it. It's just this strong determination that we will persevere. And then of course you read the scripture. The Bible, Old Testament and New Testament is just filled with tough stuff. And in the middle of these tough things that are happening in the Bible, God constantly is pouring strength into people who are going through difficult times. And so there are hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of very powerful biblical promises to bring strength during times that are difficult. Here's just a couple of examples. The psalmist in Psalm 73 says, my body and my heart may fail. I'm going through a really difficult time, but God is the strength of my heart. Second Corinthians 12, my grace is all you need, God says. For my power is the greatest when you are weak. And I love verses like that because it doesn't just say suck it up, you know, don't feel weak. As Evan and the the crew talked about earlier, sometimes we are going through tough times and that is okay, it's normal. But as we go through tough times, God just promises I'm going to be there. As Dion said earlier, I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you and I will get you through. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me a promise that so many millions have clung on to during times of difficulty. Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Wonderful promises of strength. So there's a biblical vision of strength that is just powerful and alive and real. And we can believe that and we can walk through that. And these next four weeks, we're gonna focus on it. But I wanna be clear, strength does not come easily. Strength does not come automatically. It's almost like, you know, strength in the body. If we want a strong body, we're not gonna read an inspirational poster and be strong. It just doesn't work that way. Now, an inspirational poster might motivate us to, you know, work out, take a walk, take a run, whatever it is, but it takes some time. It takes some work. It takes some determination. I would even say it takes some discipline to be strong in body. That's the same when we're talking about strong character and strong faith and strong relationships and strong perseverance, it's gonna take some work. So these four weeks aren't gonna, you know, make people stronger automatically. We're gonna go through some inspirational things and stories and verses. It's not just gonna be a switch that says, oh, now I'm stronger. It's going to take some work, but it's absolutely going to be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. Now, there's a couple things I want to commit to you uh, as we go through this strong series. Number one, I'm going to try the best I can not to use the word weak, the word I just said. I'm going to try not to use the word weak because when we talk about strength, sometimes it can tend to highlight where we think we're weak, and that's not a good spot to be in. And so sometimes when we um, hear stories, read stories, hear sermons about strength, It highlights where we think we're weak. I'm only gonna say it one or two more times and we're gonna retire it. And it doesn't feel good. In preparing for this sermon, I read some books on strength and I heard some sermons on strength and I'm telling you, it made me feel pretty terrible because, well, that's not me. 
You talk about, you know, strong heroic stories and we talk about people, you know, enduring all kinds of things and it just highlights, well, that's not me and it feels bad. So I'm gonna try not to use the word weak. And the reality is, that's it, it's the last time. Probably won't be, but I'm just gonna say it's the last time. But the reality is, I think we're all strong. I mean, you're here. And because you're here, I think you're strong. And I don't just mean here live, but online, you woke up today, you got out of bed, you took on this day. You're about to take on Monday, sorry, but it, you know, you're about to take on another work week. That takes some strength. Some of you have some family relationships that you're investing in, marriage and kids and parents and, and siblings, and you manage, it takes strength to have a family. It takes strength to have friends. What you're doing takes strength, just living every day, living your beautiful life, it takes strength. So I don't think there really is any W word people, right? It's just strong people getting stronger. So think of yourself as a strong person. Look at all the things you're doing. Look at all that you had to do to get here. For those of you with kids, you had to get your kids ready. And you know, they're all complaining and whining and whatever. You gotta get them ready. You gotta get yourself ready. Get yourself showered and dressed. Some of you showered, some of you dressed. That's good. You know, get the makeup on, get here. It takes strength to just move forward your day. So all of us are strong people. And the invitation here is to maybe be stronger, right? It's a good thing. And then I'm gonna make every effort to be careful to avoid the pitfalls when it comes to teaching, preaching about strength. Again, we don't wanna highlight where we think we're not as strong as we should be, right? And the reality is some of us are dealing with things that are really terrible, terrible tragedies. I talked to somebody, I won't get into the details, but you know, there was an accident just a couple of days ago where a life of a young person was taken on the way back from graduation and to deal with the pain of that, there's nothing flippant that could be said or done that's gonna make that better, right? And so when you say you know, things like strong in the face of that, it just creates some pitfalls. And we're gonna to try to avoid that. So if I say anything that comes across as flippant or minimizing or unempathetic or unsympathetic, I need to apologize in advance and, I, and I'm gonna ask for your forgiveness in advance. This is not gonna be a perfect four weeks. If I could say something better or if I'm not sensitive to some things that I need to be sensitive about, let me know. Scott.treadway at rancho.tv. I don't have an assistant. I get them all, I answer them all. So just let me know, hey dude, that wasn't great. You could say it better this way. I love all that stuff, all right? Let me know. When we talk about strength, we also don't wanna talk about some things that could be harmful. For example, we don't need bravado. When we talk about strength, we don't need bravado. What is bravado? Bravado is suck it up, get over it. Not helpful. Just not helpful. That's not the kind of strength we're talking about, right? Just deny the pain, deny the feelings, and just go, you know, be brave. That, that's not what we need. There's a better kind of bravery and a better kind of strength. We don't need cliches. Cliches can be cute. Cliches might be motivational for a fraction of a second but they really don't create long-term strength. For example, when the going get tough, the tough get going. It's like, all right, yeah, 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 whatever. It's a cliche. Has, has a moment, but that's all it is. For the love of all that is holy, we do not need religious platitudes. We do not need religious platitudes. I took down probably four or five sermons this week on strength, you know, soul strength, character strength. And with respect, if I hear, just trust God, 
one more time or just have more faith one more time. It's a religious platitude that really is kind of condemning. And we say this stuff like, if you just had more faith, this wouldn't be happening. If you just had more faith, you wouldn't feel this. You wouldn't feel depression. You wouldn't feel anxiety. Just have more faith and you wouldn't feel so down. Garbage. We'll talk about this a little bit. I mean, you're talking about the heroes of the Bible and Jesus himself felt what could be clinically, I think, diagnosed as anxieties and depression and loneliness and hollowness and desperation. Even Jesus felt every single human emotion that we feel. And so we don't need religious platitudes. We also don't need to deny very real, very human, very normal emotions. Sometimes when we talk about strength, it's like, well, all those yucky feelings, you know, just put those aside and just move forward and be positive, be happy, blah, blah, blah. That's not the human experience. That's not the normal human experience. And I don't think that's the strong human experience. The strong human experience says, yes, I have dealt with a lot in life, and so I feel a lot. I've dealt with some deep things, so I feel deeply. And that's okay. I might be wired to feel deeply, and that's okay. Embrace that. So it's not about denying emotions. It's actually about really going head first into some of those things and dealing with them and talking through them, maybe getting some help with friends or help with therapists or help from your church, whatever it is, to, to be able to say, I'm gonna wrestle with these things. And then I believe we don't need rugged individualism. Now listen, love America is part of the American story. Rugged individualism, you, you hear a lot. And there's some good things that have been done through individuals just tackling things and starting businesses and moving life forward. That, that's fine. But we're not really wired for rugged individualism. And rugged individuals usually underneath all that are not very strong. There might be a good front, but underneath that, if you're a rugged individual, it means you're probably a rugged individual by yourself. And it is not a good place to be. God designed us to be interdependent. What does the word of God say? A cord of three strands is not what? Easily broken. A cord of one strand, ding, no problem. You wrap three of those together and it's gonna be difficult. God designed us to be interdependent. And so true strength comes from togetherness, right? Even God is a cord of three strands. Father, Son, Spirit. The one nature of God is plural in relationship. Don't ask me to explain it. I just tell you everything I know about that. But God's Father, Son, Spirit woven together in perfect unity and there is strength. So here's the reality. Statistically, scientifically, the American culture is getting less and less strong. Notice I didn't use the W word. The American culture statistically, scientifically, is getting less and less strong. Here is how that plays out. The American culture is becoming increasingly insecure. The Wall Street Journal did a lot of work on this. We're becoming increasingly insecure. And here's how this goes. What will people think about me? What will people think about me? What are people gonna, what's their opinion? If I, if I say something or do something, what are they gonna think about me? If I'm on social media, what am I gonna post? Is this picture perfect? What's the filter? What's the blah, blah? I mean, it's just complete insecurity. There's very little you know, confidence that I am confident in who I am and I am confident in what I can do or can't do and I'm just gonna live my life without thinking, what are people gonna think? We're increasingly insecure. We're increasingly afraid 
We are the most prosperous and secure country probably the world has ever seen, and yet our fear is going up. American Psychological Association says that over two-thirds of Americans feel pervasively, somewhat, or extremely afraid. That, that can get better. We can be stronger. We are increasingly judgmental. Because we're insecure and because we're afraid, we have retreated back into tribalism, almost like ancient tribalism, where everyone who doesn't agree with me is a threat. If you don't agree with me religiously, oh, you're on the enemy's side. You don't agree with me politically, you're a threat to the nation, right? You don't agree with my perspective on this or that, well, you're dumb. I mean, the judgment that just pours out because of our insecurity and because of our fear. Again, uh, psychology today has spent a lot of time on that. And we have the tools to be horrifically judgmental. I mean, this thing is a weapon like you would not even believe. And there's so much courage. I'm going to give that opinion. I'm going to light this person up. It's so easy. So judgmental. So weak. Ah, I said it. I got to be fined. I'm going to be like five bucks. Uh, Aubrey, I'm giving you five bucks every time. She's taking that one absolutely to the bank. (laughs) Phone's coming out. We are increasingly entitled. I'm going to sound like an old man on a porch here for a while, shaking my cane at the world. But this is real. And this is from Psychology Today as well. We have an increasing sense that our well-being is in the hands of others. We have an increasing sense that our well-being is in the hands of the others. You better make my day good today, boss. You better make my day good today, employee. You better make my day good today, coworker. You better make my day good today, spouse and kids. And it's like, we think our well-being is in the hands of others. Server at a restaurant. I mean, we expect to be served. We expect people to make our day go well. It's weird. It's weird. And it's not strong. If we can have the strength to be able to say that, you know, my hands, this is my life and this is my story and I'm writing my story. And if somebody, you know, offends me, I'm writing my story. They're not writing my story. Not to be flippant about things that people do to us, but strength says I'm writing my own story. And yes, part of my story is what you've said to me and what you've done to me and what you've said about me on social media or whatever. That's part of my story. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to ignore that. And some of that stuff's very serious and very harmful and we have to deal with it but I'm writing my story. My story is not dependent on others. And then we are increasingly overburdened. And this is, again, the American story. This is, uh, NBC News has done a lot on this. We have overburdened schedules, overburdened expectations, overburdened debt, burden, 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 to the point where 72% of Americans, 72% of Americans, young and old, experience negative health effects from stress, 72% most prosperous, secure we have ever been in our history, and we are the most overburdened we've ever been. In fact, the word, I'm just telling you, is everywhere in America, is overwhelmed. It's everywhere. Overwhelmed, 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 overwhelmed. We put a lot on ourselves. We put a lot on our schedule. We put a lot on our family. We put a lot on our credit card. We put a lot of burden everywhere, and we're feeling it. We're feeling it. And why have we put ourselves there? There are five things, again, this is just science. Social media has had some good effects, connected the world, but largely what a disaster. 
What a disaster. If we could take the good, and there's so much good in social media, and just lop off the horrific things it does to people, particularly kids, we'd be better off. News media 24-7. I was playing golf uh, yesterday, and um, one of these younger people was talking to the oldie, me, and asked a question because they didn't know. They didn't know history. When you were super young, a million years ago, how much news was out there? That was a question. Young person didn't know. How much news? I said, well, you know, you had like the six o'clock news. How many of you are about 50 or older and remember the six o'clock news? Remember the day of six o'clock news? And I would only watch 10 minutes of it because that's all you need is the 10 minutes. The rest of it is just little pieces. You just need the 10 minutes of news, maybe, you know, three or four days a week, and then you're good. Now we have news 24-7, and news, you know, networks are tied to political parties, which creates a whole other dynamic that's horrific. And and it's everywhere. And so this creates a lot of, of erosion of our strength. You add to that toxic political culture, talked about that a lot. The availability of information, we have every bit of information. More information than we could possibly digest. The entire world's information, the entire history's information. Right here, we have it all. The availability is everywhere. So I'll give you an example. I've been like grieving this train accident in India. Almost 300 people lost their lives because of human error and lack of maintenance. And you're just, you're grieving with these families. I mean, whole communities just wrecked. And it's totally preventable. 15 years ago, would I have grieved a train wreck in India? But information is so available, which means all of the world's tragedies just, you know, dump in our phones and we can consume them and it does something to us. And I'm not saying any of these things are by definition bad. But what it does is it kind of erodes our strength at times. And not just the availability of information, but the, the pace of information, it just doesn't stop. And our brains, our, our Western brains are trying to re- rewire as fast as possible, but they can't keep up. Our brains are different than they were five years ago. Young people's brains are different than young people's brains 10 years ago. So our brain evolution is trying to catch up to the pace of information, but it just can't. And with the advent now of AI, where machine learning has just so far exceeded the ability of the entirety of the human race to digest this information, I don't know where this is going. Now, I don't want to create fear and anxiety, but we got to talk about where we're at before we talk about where we can go. And we're going to make that transition after these 10 fingers. You have 10 fingers. I'm going to ask some questions and just privately do the 10. Don't do the uh, holding up in the air. This is your private 10 fingers. But just ask yourself these questions. Do you feel insecure on a regular basis? If so, that's one of your fingers. Do you feel insecure on a regular basis? Do you feel afraid on a regular basis? How many fingers do you have so far? Do you feel stressed on a regular basis? Do you feel unsteady on a regular basis? Do you feel guilty on a regular basis? Think word five. Do you feel out of control on a regular basis? Do you feel overwhelmed on a regular basis? Do you feel unsafe? Do you feel stuck? Do you feel hopeless on a regular basis? Now, if you have quietly multiple fingers engaged, the invitation is, is for all of us to get stronger. I've got fingers engaged. We can get stronger. Now, I want to be clear. These are not bad. Did you hear me? And I want you to hear me. These are not bad. In fact, largely, these are good. These are good, normal human responses to the normal things that happen in life. 
These are normal and in fact healthy uh, guardrails for us. So if we start feeling overwhelmed, for example, what is, what is our emotion telling us? What's our brain and, and our brain chemicals telling us? If we start to feel overwhelmed, what's our brain saying? Make some changes, right? Do something different so you feel more at peace and more margin in your life and, and, and just work a little bit of a different direction. And so these emotions are good because these emotions tell us when we're probably getting ourselves a little out of balance and we've got to get ourselves, you know, kind of squared away. Some of us have gone through tragedies. Some of us have gone through traumas and these emotions are normal human response to tragedies and traumas. So they're not bad. We just don't want to be trapped by these things, right? We just don't want to be trapped by these things. And so the journey towards strength is a journey to say, listen, I'm going to embrace all this. I'm going to embrace my life with all its disappointments and tragedies, but I'm going to walk a journey to get stronger. And, and I know what a lot of these things feel like. I mean, I've lived a good life and you know, I've walked with a lot of people through tragedies and my life hasn't been a tragedy. There will be tough things to come and there have been tough things in the past, but I know what it's like to feel these things. I grew up with a struggling family, with an unsteady childhood. Parents split up many times. Alcoholism in the mix, terrible things said to me. I've had to deal with some of these things and those have created some of these feelings. As a kid, I was a, a stuttering kid and I felt very insecure to speak uh, in front of class. That would be terrifying. I mean, my knees would knock together. Truly, I, that's not a cartoon. It happens. Knees knocking because I was having to say something in public and I knew I wasn't gonna be able to get the words out. Skinny, skinny kid, right? With all these athletes. In my mind, I'm like, I'm this scrawny kid, all these athletes around me and I wish I was more like that. I remember as a middle school kid, and I've said this before, wearing winter coats in the middle of summer because I didn't want anybody to see my body. Now I want everybody to see it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm still very insecure about these things, right? It's, it's just, uh, it, these childhood things, just, that was so weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> and this is the one that goes online, so fun with that. Um, but, you know, even as a 53-year-old guy, I still feel some of these things in my childhood. There's still some emotional responses and triggers, as a teenager, I got involved in church and became very religious as a teenager. I became one of your standard kind of teenage religious zealots, which is not a good thing to be, but it was totally driven by guilt. Some of it put on me by what I was taught and some of it was internal. I never felt good enough for God. I never felt I was obedient enough or never felt that God was truly happy with me. I never felt that God was proud of me, ever. I mean, I'm that's like 10 years old. When I can finally get to myself, myself to the point scripturally and through the teaching of Jesus, that God looks at me and says, you know what, I'm proud of you. You're making progress, good job. About 10 years ago, that light bulb dawned on me that, wow, I think God might be actually proud of me. I haven't arrived, I'm not perfect, but giving it a go. And God the Father's like, hey, go. Started a couple of businesses as a young adult and got super proud when they were successful and super ashamed when they weren't. I became a pastor during the church growth movement. For those of you who haven't been around church for a long time, you're lucky number one. But during the church growth movement, if you were a pastor, I mean, the pressure, you go to these conferences, right? And some hotshot celebrity pastor would come out dressed with 2000 bucks worth of gear on talking about how his church went from, you know, some startup church to thousands of people reaching the world for Christ in, in a week and a half. And you're like, oh, that's not me. I wish I was more like that. I mean, it's just the burden of that, right? I, feeling that, feeling inadequate, feeling not good enough. And then we did experience a little bit of growth around here at the church and the school. 
And then we thought, all right, now we're going. Let's start five churches and congregations and let's start Rancho Christian High School and let's get this rescue mission going. And we're just, we're, we're moving, 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 moving. And then it just got busy. And then I felt overwhelmed and family suffers. And then, well, that didn't work according to plan. And this might've, but this didn't. And now there's this pressure and this resource pressure and this personnel thing. And, and the pressure starts building. And in 2017, um, I started having chest pains. What is this chest pain? I've never felt this before. And went to the doctor and I said, oh, it's, it's anxiety. It's like, no, it's not. It can't be anxiety. I don't feel this. That's anxiety. And you're probably drinking way too much caffeine. How much caffeine do you drink? Oh, 17 cups of coffee a day. <laughs> Might be a little exaggeration, but not much. Cut the caffeine, cut your stress, cut your time, you know, whatever, and get this thing squared away. So I, you know, I know what some of these feelings are like and it's a little bit of work. They're real feelings, let's embrace them. It's part of our story. Some of these feelings say, hey, listen, you just need to feel what's going on in your life, and that's okay. Some of these feelings are telling you to kind of make some changes in your life to become a stronger person, and that's okay as well. Here's the cool part. With all this stuff, we've identified the problem, and some of you are like, I am now stressed, so thank you very much, I appreciate it. Jesus gives an incredible vision. I'm gonna give you the vision of Jesus and I'm gonna give you a life metaphor, which I think is really cool. Here's the vision of Jesus, Matthew chapter seven. At the end of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built upon bedrock. That's the teaching of Jesus. And we might gravitate right to, yes, on bedrock. But what does Jesus say before the bedrock? Gonna be rain. Gonna be floods. Gonna be torrents. Gonna be rain. That's life. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. We're gonna talk about this week four. It's managing our expectations. Tough stuff is going to happen as part of being alive. And Jesus says, that's just the way it is. But in all of that, what is your life built upon? It could be a rock solid foundation based on the teaching and life of Jesus. Later in Jesus' ministry, toward the end in John 16, Jesus says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. It's a promise. Let's get up for it. We will have trials and sorrows. It's not gonna be easy. We're gonna have some things to deal with. It's gonna happen. Don't expect God to make your life perfect. But if I'm obedient and if I pray really hard, not gonna be a perfect life, sorry. Stuff's gonna happen. Suffering's gonna happen. Jesus promises it. But what does he also say? Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And when Jesus says, I have overcome the world, he's not saying, I'm at the top of it all and I'm looking down on it all and I'm the boss. That is not what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I've overcome the world because I've gone through it all with you. Not that he's up on top, separated from it all. In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus knows our suffering. He went through our suffering, all of it. There's not one thing you've gone through that Jesus hasn't gone through. And yet he overcame. Born in poverty and oppression. The man who raised him, Joseph, likely uh, passed away when Jesus was young. Jesus was rejected and humiliated, threatened with his life, times without number, scorned and betrayed, gossiped and lied about, 
driven out of his own hometown, abused, victimized, unjustly accused, arrested, and tried, and murdered at the hands of every religious and political evil. Jesus has gone through it all and then rose again in victory. So when Jesus says, you will go through trials and suffering, he's saying, I have gone through that as well. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know the emotions of it. But there's life on the other side. There's resurrection life on the other side. Jesus felt alone at times. Jesus felt overwhelmed at times. Jesus felt anxious at times. Jesus needed the help of others at times. Jesus feared the coming suffering at times. And Jesus even felt abandoned by God the Father. My God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt all the things we feel. And yet he's the holy God, so we know the normal human emotions. That's no sin, right? It's not a W word to feel the emotions of being a human being going through normal things. It's just not. But what Jesus says is that strength begins by trusting the one who overcame through it all. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I'm gonna close with a, a quick life metaphor. I typically don't life, like life metaphors. I think they could be trite and, and silly. But there's a couple of life metaphors that work out great. One of them is this. Life is like a box of... We all know that. Like, and that's a great life metaphor. You never know what you're gonna get, right? Uh, I think life is like whitewater rafting. Anybody been whitewater rafting? Yeah, you love those feet straight up in the air. <laughs> Last service didn't laugh. It's like, wake up, people. Pay attention. Life is like whitewater rafting. And I, so when I ask if you've been whitewater rafting, I'm not talking about river floats. That doesn't count. I'm talking about level five, hold on to your butt stuff, right? Whitewater rafting. So I think life is like whitewater rafting. Um, you don't know what you're gonna get. And sometimes it can be very beautiful and peaceful scenery, and sometimes it can be rough terrain. Sometimes life can be peaceful and restful, and sometimes it is frantic work. Sometimes it can be tranquil and calm, and sometimes it can be incredibly, fearfully turbulent. Sometimes it could include uncontrollable laughter and sometimes uncontrollable screaming. Sometimes there could be great camaraderie and teamwork, right? Here's an or. This is a very inexpensive or. The real ones were way too expensive. But sometimes you get through a, a level four, level five, the oars go up and all the oars, it's like, yeah, we did it. And sometimes you are by yourself, like when the guide says, hey, anybody want to swim this rapid? And Treadway goes, oh yeah, that sounds like fun. Hey, keep your feet up and in front of you. And like, oh, okay, it's going to be great. The most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. I will never do that again. But sometimes you're on your own and you're going through it by yourself. That's just life. It's kind of like whitewater rafting. You just never know. But in that, I would encourage us to think. I am moving with an uncertain world. And hang on to that word with. We're going to revisit it big time next week. I am moving with an uncertain world. Not beneath it as a victim, not above it as superior. I am moving with, not able to control a lot. I'm moving with the current of an uncertain world. I don't know what's coming. But I'm moving with people I certainly love, with a God who certainly loves me. And listen, you know, life is not like a roller coaster. There's ups and downs, but it's not on a predetermined track. Life is like whitewater rafting. We do not know what's coming, and we have an oar, and we can decide and choose on some things, right? But what does Jesus say? Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus is basically saying, go with the flow. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. Deal with today and row. Deal with today and row. And by the way, as you're rowing, you're not rowing alone. 
You have people around you. You're not rowing alone, but keep rowing. And by the way, if you happen to be in a part of the river that gets you in some trouble, row with your friends and family out of that trouble. Let's go, you can do it. Strength, strength. If you happen to row yourself into a rock, because we do that sometimes, the beautiful thing about God's grace and having a row is that we can go back. And we can say, let's work together to get in a better spot. Just keep rowing. And when we row, know that God is with us because Jesus went through the entire river. Jesus went through the entire river, all of the suffering, all of the pain, all of the betrayal. He went to the end of the river and he emerged. And he says, you can do it. And my spirit is with you. And my spirit is with the people around you. And together, together we can be stronger. We're gonna close in a song because that's what we do here. And we're gonna close in a good song because that's what we do here. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right. If David, if David yes. or Delaney picks it, it's going to be It's good. Killing. If you pick it, yeah. <laughs> if I pick it, it's definitely bad. It's this song that I really like that, you know, you might. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but this one's good. It this is a song that says, basically, I'm going to praise you, God. Yeah. And what the song does, it says, there are valleys, yeah. there are tough times, there are good times, there are mountains, there's good times, but all through it, I'm going to praise you. So if we know as we row, as we row together, as we live this life, as we're stronger people getting stronger... Uh, we can praise God at the very center of things. Yes. And it, it starts off with uh, just from the very beginning, this song is like, this is going to be collective. This is everybody it's together. Us. So there is a call and response. Let everything. And then let you say, everything. let everything. That has breath. That has, that breath. has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, you're That's getting there. That's how it starts out. You're I getting think there. it's going to be good. There, there's, there's part of the song that the chorus is like, it gets high. It's just like, it's good. how yeah, are you even talking? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? You need to leave it all in the field right now. It's, yeah, it's like a, I'm, I, I do a good rooster impression. Okay, well, let's do that. Let's do your good rooster and uh, let's go. All right, let's all stand. Let's do it. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Come on, Dion.
What a great way to start uh, this strong series, right? A lot of fun, some meaningful content from the lips of Jesus, strong people becoming stronger. It's going to be great. I think these next three weeks are really going to help. Yeah. I mean, especially all the stuff we're going through and then walking out of this place with yeah. a song in your heart, smile. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a little cliche, right? But <laughs> yeah. we'll take it. We're going to do it together, right? For sure. It's Absolutely. Yep. And hey, if any of you need prayer, if you are going through it, uh, if you just want somebody to bear a burden with you, we got the prayer corner over there. Some great men and women who'd love to pray for you. If I've not met you yet, my wife and I will be over there. would love to spend some time with you. And today, in fact, right now, baptism over there as an expression that we are in the love of Christ, immersed by the love of Christ, and raised to new life. Uh, Pastor Steve is out there baptizing some folks, so uh, join him if you'd like. And if you haven't been out there lately, it's a little bit shady now. It's Ooh, really it's nice. nice. It's fun. So yeah. if you want to hang out and go over there and celebrate with us, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. Look forward to seeing you all next week. Take care.